For those of us who haven't been here for the entire time that we've been, uh, I guess throughout the summer, uh, we've been talking about the book of Psalms. And we've been trying to see what these writers or these authors, these psalmists, are trying to communicate to us for our own day and our own time. Uh, And we know that so far we've been challenged uh, basically about our beliefs about ourselves, about our world, and even about God. Uh, especially uh, about our ideas about God, because many of us may have different understandings of who he is and uh, his activity uh, in our world. And so far, we've talked about, just to give you uh, examples of what we've talked about so far, uh, some of the psalmists have talked about how we have two paths in this world. We have one that we can take that's with God. We have one path that we can take that's without God. And that's the opportunity we all have. We, We get to choose which path we want to take. Uh, we're also told that we have to be more reliant on God, uh, not on ourselves or, and not on other people, but be more reliant or be dependent on God for everything in our lives. We're also told that we need to, uh, or I guess about the importance of God's Word or the Bible in our lives, that it should be important to each and every one of us because that's what brings us into that life-giving relationship with God, and that's God's main way or primary way of speaking to us uh, in our day and in our own time. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we asked one of the hardest questions that followers of Jesus have to answer and uh, people who are not followers of Jesus that they often ask is that why is it that uh, bad people or people that do evil, why is it that they are successful? Why do they go unpunished uh, in our world? When you have other people who are good, honest people who don't live successful lives, who don't have good lives, don't have stuff or anything like that. They live very terrible lives. They get the worst end of the deal with just about everything. So we talked about that about two weeks ago. Then last week, we talked about how we need to uh, look to God for our help because God's help is limitless. Uh, There's no end to it. It It starts now and it goes on forever and forever. And that's in comparison to all the help we try to find in this world. Maybe we try to find help from a relationship, you know, uh, a job, money, uh, something else, school or whatever else that you, you look to for help in your life. But those things will ultimately fail us, will ultimately, ultimately be disappointed in all of those things. And so the psalmist is trying to tell us that God will never fail us. God will never let us down. And so that we should look to him ultimately for our help in any any and every area of our lives. And so today we're going to be in Psalm chapter 25. And again, it's 807 if you uh, didn't turn there yet, but in the Chinese English Bible. And so we're going to start out with a question, as we always do. When was the last time you asked somebody for help? You know, like you, you, you genuinely ask somebody for help. Now, there are some times where we ask people for help and we don't really need it, right? So maybe we, we, have, we need a, the, the trash taken out or maybe we need some chairs put away or someone to help clean up after dinner or something like that. Really, we, we just want the help. It shortens the amount of time that we spend doing whatever task that we're doing. Uh, so we don't really need the help. And so I want to rephrase the question and say, when was the last time you asked someone for help and you really, really needed the help? There are many things that happen in our lives, usually where we end up in very desperate situations that put us in a tough spot. And usually we're unable to get past those parts in our lives on our own. You know, some of us in here have dealt with the issue of divorce uh, in our families. 
We know of the, um, the impact of that uh, divorce separation between uh, the husband and wife, what that could mean for a family, that it can bring a lot of hurt and pain. And so I would imagine if you've gone through something like that, that oh, hopefully that you ask somebody for help, and the person that you asked for help was probably someone that you trusted. And so because you trusted them, you were willing to receive or embrace whatever wisdom or guidance they were going to give up to you. Now, some of us have maybe dealt with health issues or maybe, you know, there was a pregnancy issue or something like that that we had to deal with uh, in our own lives. And so my hope is, is that in that time, you found somebody in your life that you could trust, that you could talk to, and you were willing because you trusted them to receive or embrace that wisdom or guidance that they wanted to give to you. And now still yet, there are others of us who have dealt with different financial issues, emotional issues, mental issues, other physical issues in our lives that require help beyond ourselves. And so in those situations, again, we want to find somebody that we trust. And because we trust them, we receive, embrace the guidance or wisdom that they want to give to us. And now when we, you know, when we hear stories about people who are in very desperate situations uh, where they need something beyond themselves, where they need help beyond themselves, I think something that we don't ever really think about is how hard it is for people in desperate situations to ask somebody for help. Now, maybe you're one of the lucky people. Maybe you don't have any problem or any shame in asking somebody for help. You ask somebody for help for just about everything, and to some extent, that's actually a a good thing. But I think the majority of people, especially those people in the tough circumstances of life, have trouble asking people for help. And so in asking people for help, I think maybe we don't ask these questions that I'm about to put up here. We don't ask them explicitly. We don't, we don't say them out loud or anything like that. I think internally we kind of process them as we're thinking, you know, going through our, the tough times in our lives and trying to find somebody to talk to. You know, we say, can I trust other people to help me? So if you live life for any amount of time, you know that people will fail you at some point or another. You know, a family member, a friend, some other relative will fail you at some point. So we ask, can I trust others to help me? We also ask, will the guidance that they give me or will the wisdom they give me, will it actually help me as well? Will it get me out of the circumstance that I'm in right now? And then we also ask, will they still accept me still knowing my problems? Because I think there's a little bit of shame when we have to ask somebody for help. And shame really is, is when we we have the sense or this feeling of being rejected. If somebody knew everything that there is to know about us, if they knew the truth about who we were, if they knew all of our problems, knew all of our issues, that they may not accept us for who we are. Now, some people are fortunate enough to work through these questions and have a sort of positive answers to these questions. So they say, yes, I, I can trust other people. Uh, yes, uh, you know, the wisdom they're giving me, yes, it's going to help me. And I have no problem asking people for help. I think people will still accept me for who I am, regardless of what issues or problems that I'm going through. So some people ultimately can work through them. But yet there are others who have trouble answering a lot of these questions because they can't trust others. They don't want to, it's not they don't want to listen to other people, but they just, uh, I guess they're not a point in their life where they can receive that guidance or wisdom. And of course, they feel some, a bit of shame in going to ask people for help. And now, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, 
I think we get to a, a deeper understanding of these questions, or we take these questions a little deeper when we bring God into the picture. So then we might ask the questions like this. Can I trust God to help me? Will the guidance God gives me or the wisdom that God gives me, will it help me? Will it get me out of this situation? And will God still accept me even knowing the problems or the issues that I have going on in my life? And so these are the issues, I think, that we're going to find in Psalm chapter 25 that I think the psalmist, who is King David, who a lot of us are familiar with, uh, he wrote that psalm, and these are a lot of the issues that he's going to be talking about and encouraging us in uh, as we work through Psalm 25. And David uh, does this by showing us that a relationship with God uh, has been, it currently is, and it's always going to be, a relationship uh, that has been made for sinners. So it's been made for each and every one of us. People who don't live like God wants us to live. That's all uh, God's purposes have been for, have been for people just like us. And the great thing about the life of, as a follower of Jesus is that God helps us to trust in Him. He shows us that we can trust in Him. And then that gives us the ability to receive or embrace that wisdom or guidance He wants to give to us. And that even knowing our problems, God is still going to accept us. He still loves us the same, knowing everything that there is to know about all of our lives. Even if you think it's a secret, God still knows what that is. And ultimately, it comes down to us being humble enough, or us being willing to see our need, each and every one of us, our need that we really, really, really desire God in our lives. And so we're going to read Psalm 25, and if you want to follow along with me, I've got some commentary, not very much, uh, so let's start reading it together. Can you, or will you do that for me, Larry? <laughs> I know you're able to. All right, here we go. Uh, starting in verse 1. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways, According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity or forgive my sin, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare or whatever circumstances or sins that are controlling us. Verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress, and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies, and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. 
May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. And so, as I said earlier, we know that King David wrote this, and even without knowing any history about this, you look under Psalm 25, and probably it says of David or something like that. Uh, So King David wrote this psalm. And many of us are familiar with his life and know that in his life that, he did, that God worked in a lot of miraculous ways in his life and throughout the, his time of being king. If some of us are, might be familiar with the story of David and Goliath when uh, the Philistines, uh, a group during that time, came and challenged the Israelites and one of their uh, sort of main soldiers was this guy named Goliath. And he was, I don't know how tall he was, but he was a really huge guy. How tall? That one. Okay, so he was about that tall. Yeah. And so and David was very small in stature, but yet God gave him the power, gave him the strength to actually overtake Goliath, to actually defeat him. And we know when we look at other times in David's life that David... Uh, conquered other armies and other places, all not because of his own uh, his own uh, strength, but because God helped him uh, through those times in his life. But we also know that King David wasn't a perfect leader. We know that some things happened in his life that a lot of us would be ashamed of. In his life, and we've covered Psalm fifty-one. A lot of us were here for that. Uh, in that psalm, David uh, committed or was confessing to God or admitting his sins to God that he had committed adultery. He had sexual intercourse with a woman who was married uh, and then had her husband killed on the battlefield. And so he had things like that going on. And then in other times, he really abused his power uh, to sort of get his own way uh, in his own life. And so whether he was living a good life or living a life of suffering because of his own sin or living a life of his, you know, living out his consequences because of his own sin, He had seen God work in very miraculous ways in his life, despite the things that had happened uh, in his life. And which I think leads him to begin this psalm, how he says it in here. He says, In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Do I have this up here? No, I don't. Okay. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. So he trusts God because he knows that even the people of God who had lived before him could trust in God because they'd seen God work in very physical ways. He knew that he had helped them. And because of this, he you know, takes this, affirms this truth for his own life. He says, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. He trusts God. He knows he can count on him for his help. But beyond that, not just help in general, but that he, he's willing to look to God, uh, God's help through his wisdom and through his guidance that he's willing to provide to him to give him the wisdom he needs to live this life during whatever circumstances that he finds himself in, even in situations that he's having to go through because of his own sin or because of the wrong decisions that he's chosen to make uh, in his own life. But I think the most powerful thing, or one of the most powerful things that David says in this psalm is in verses 10 through 11, and he says, "...all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful." Toward those who keep the demands of his covenant, for the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my sin or forgive my iniquity, though it is great. So even just looking at that one verse and and looking at other verses right around this, we can see some things that God does for us, for people who choose to follow him. 
We know that He's faithful to us, even when we're unfaithful to Him. He forgives our sins. He releases us from those circumstances or uh, things or those other things that control us. He releases us from those things. He takes away our sin and He removes uh, uh, and protects us from any shame uh, that we might face uh, in our lives. Now, David, of all people, would know of the graciousness of God. You know, like I already told you, I already gave you a layout of kind of his life, that it wasn't always perfect for him. And so he knew firsthand about the graciousness of God. And so he knew that despite what he had done, God was still loving toward him. But he also knows that God, God continues to lead him to follow his commands uh, throughout his entire life, whether he's living a good life or he's living a life where he's suffering because of the consequences of his own sins. And in verse 9, David tells us that really the only thing we have to do in this whole, uh, throughout this whole psalm here to trust in God uh, or to re- even receive that guidance or wisdom he wants to give us is that we have to be humble enough to receive it. We have to be able to, to understand that uh, we need or, des- or ha- get to a point where we desire, but first we have to realize that we need God in our lives, each and every one of our lives. Now, earlier I asked you a question, and I'll put it up again. When was the last time you asked somebody for help? When was the last time you asked someone for help and you really, really needed it? Uh, More than likely, if you asked a person to help you, uh, in some situation in your life, it was probably a person you trust. Maybe it was a a parent, a mom or a dad. Uh, maybe it was uh, a sibling, a brother, a sister, uh, a grandparent, uh, a friend, or some other relative in your life uh, that you trusted. You've had a long enough relationship with them, and so you know firsthand that these people can help you. Now, you know, I always find it easier. I actually find it hard to trust people, but I find it easier to trust people than I do to trust God, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I always find it easier to trust people because, oh, especially people that I've lived life with for a long time, especially like people in my family, I can trust them a lot easier because I can physically see with my two eyes them doing something on my behalf, doing something for me that leads me to believe that I can actually trust them, that they're not going to let me down, that they're always going to be there, I can always count on them. So there's some physicality to it. I can see it with my own two eyes or uh, you know, hear them say something that leads me to believe that I can trust them in my life. And so I always find it, though, more difficult to trust God. And I think mainly that's because I, I can't see him. I can't see him working uh, you know, all over the place in like a very physical kind of way. And maybe that describes you as well. Maybe you say, well, I don't know if I can trust God because I, I can't really see him actually working. And it's not that he's ever let me down. I feel that God's been very faithful to me in times where I've been faithful to him and in times where I haven't lived a life that, or lived the life that I should be living. And I think a lot of us, you know, we don't have the same luxury We don't have the same advantage that David had. You know, David's time was like 2,500 to 3,000 years ago. And David was closer to the time of like, say, Moses, where God, through Moses, parted the Red Sea. He parted a body of water. Like he physically removed the Israelite people out of slavery through Moses. 
And then in David's life, God worked in very physical ways, giving him the power to conquer Goliath, giving him the power to conquer all these armies. So they got to see God work firsthand. So that was 2,500 to 3,000 years ago. And then looking at the time of Jesus, that was over 2,000 years ago, where Jesus was God in the, Jesus is God in the flesh, working on this earth, healing people, uh, casting out demons, uh, feeding five thousand people, or you know whatever else. He was doing a lot of things. Now that doesn't mean that God still doesn't work in our day and in our time. I think God's just working, you know, revealing Himself in a, a different way right now uh, in in our own time. And so the reality is, I think for some of us, maybe a lot of us is that we have a hard time trusting God at times. But, God, but David begins the psalm with a powerful statement. He says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. You know, each and every day is a mystery to us. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. A lot of us, though, we, we have a schedule. You know, we know some things are certain tomorrow or maybe for the rest of the night. We know maybe when we're going to wake up that we're going to eat breakfast, we're going to have lunch, we're going to have dinner. Uh, on Monday, we're all going to go to work, drive to work, drive home from work. Uh, we're all gonna, there's other things. If you work out, maybe you have a schedule for that or homeschooling. I mean, you've got a schedule for that too. There are some things you have in your life that are very definite. But the fact is, is that life is uncertain. We don't know what situations may come up tomorrow in which we're going to need help. And maybe it's the help of other people, but I think especially it's going to be God's help. There could be a situation that's out of our control that challenges the core of what we believe or challenges maybe our own faith in God. And, you know, sometimes because we think we know better, you know, we make bad choices, we make bad decisions that at times lead us into sin and into a worse off situation. And so we're going to need not just other people's help, but we're actually really ultimately going to need God's help in our lives. So regardless of the situation, each and every minute of each day is a chance for us to trust in God, as hard as that might be for a lot of us to do. But David says, I put my trust in God. And so there's a definiteness to that. There's intentionality to that. He's not second-guessing himself. He's not you know, uh, backtracking on a decision. That's saying, well, I don't know if I trust God really that much anymore. No, he is putting his trust in God. He has decided that that's where his trust is going to be. And so not only does David encourage us to trust God, he also encourages us to embrace God's help uh, and the guidance that he gives us. Uh, David says in verse 5, he says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And now maybe at some point in your life, maybe you wondered, you know, why, why do I even need God's guidance? Why do I even need God's wisdom in my life? Why do I need God to tell me what to do or to guide me in the decisions that I make each and every day? You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's, you probably think there's an obvious answer to this. You probably look at your own life and say, well, I mean, if I didn't have God, I couldn't have made a very smart decision at this point in my life. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're asking the same question that a lot of people who don't follow Jesus are also asking in our own time. Why do we really need God in our lives? And so why do we need it? 
Uh, Albert Einstein, who a lot of us are familiar with, yeah, everybody familiar with, I heard the name Albert Einstein before? I studied under Azeem. I studied under Azeem, okay, got it. I don't know <laughs> So, Albert Einstein had once said, it's reported that he said this, and so I might explain this if maybe we don't under, understand fully what he says. He says, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe, right? So... What he means there, if you, didn't under, if you don't understand it, he's basically saying he's not sure that the universe goes on forever, but he's pretty certain that humans are pretty stupid, that humans make very foolish decisions in our lives. And so, sadly, many of us don't have to look very hard or look very far to see the foolishness that, that we often get into. Uh, many times in bad situations or difficult situations, we take things into our own hands. We try to figure things out for ourselves, and we end up in a worse situation. In life, generally speaking, when we're left to live however we want to live, we fall into making the wrong decisions or bad decisions, or we end up living a life of sin uh, because we want to live however we want. You see, we often do more harm than good when we try to find a solution to our problems or to our issues or to our bad circumstances. Uh, and if we have to live, if we try to live however we want, uh, we usually make bad or wrong decisions. Now, the answer to that, the answer to our own foolishness, uh, our own stupidity at times, is God's guidance, for which all of us have an opportunity to receive and to embrace, uh, so long as we're humble enough to do that. David then tells us that because God is good and upright, that he instructs sinners in his ways. Now, sinners, that's, that describes each and every one of us. Those of us who don't want to live like God wants us to live. Uh, yeah, don't want to live like God wants us to live. We want to live however we want to live. And so that's what he says, that he instructs sinners in his ways. Now, looking to God for help you know, means we first have to trust him. And because we trust him, we receive or embrace the guidance or wisdom that he wants to give us. But I think there's some aspect uh, beyond this, and we'll talk about this here in just a second here, uh, that's at play here uh, when it comes to asking God for help. I think there's a little bit of shame when we think about having to come, or that we're weak, or that we actually need help, we need something beyond ourselves, that we actually need God. I think there's a little bit of shame there uh, in each and every one of us, maybe to, to some extent in there. And the idea of shame, I think, is uh, implicit, or I think it's obvious or clear here in Psalm 25. Uh, but even thinking back to other Psalms that we talked about, uh, sin or our own bad deeds can cause us to feel shame. We look back all the way to Psalm 51, uh, where, again, David, where David uh, is confessing his sin to God. And there's a point in there where he, he says that he has only sinned against God. He knows he sinned against God. And he asked God to hide his face from his sin because he was so ashamed of the things that he had done. And so shame is a very powerful thing that can ruin our lives. And I think we've all felt shame to some extent in our lives. And shame for each and every one of us really is that feeling that we all get that if everybody knew the truth about us, that they would reject us, that they would not accept us for who we are with all our problems and with all the issues in our lives. Now, there are many people who have found freedom 
uh, from this when they became followers of Jesus. There are some people who still deal with it, people who still struggle uh, with this idea of shame, even when they become followers of Jesus. But you see, for David in this psalm and in many others, he tells us about his life of sin, how he tried to live life on his own and ended up making things worse. But he also tells us that there is no place for shame. There's no room for shame once you decide or once you choose to follow God in your life. Because God ultimately knows the truth about us. Like I said earlier, what you think is a secret is not a secret to God. God knows each and everything about us, yet he still loves us the same. And as we read in this psalm and you read throughout the Bible, God's plan or God's purpose in this world has always been about bringing sinners, that's each and every one of us, into a relationship with Him. And He doesn't just you know, open His arms to us and say, okay, come have a relationship with me, and then He just leaves it at that. He actually shows us how we're supposed to live. You know, He tells us throughout any part, different parts of the Bible, He showed it physically through Jesus, how it was, or how it is, we're supposed to live in our lives. And so again, David tells us, encourages us, to trust in God. And even going back to those questions I asked, can we trust God? David tells us yes. Then the second question was, will will the guidance or wisdom that God gives us, will it help us? David also tells us yes, that we can always count on his guidance, always count on his wisdom uh, that he gives to us. And then the last question, will God still accept me knowing my problems or knowing my issues, or will he reject me? David says, I think it's implicit here and throughout other psalms that he's written and even throughout the Bible, God still accepts us for who we are, knowing what our sin is, knowing what wrongdoings uh, wrongdoings we've had in our lives. He knows all of that, but he still loves us the same. He still accepts us for who we are. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, just for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you, that we can always count on you to help us. Thank you, Lord, that, uh, that for your wisdom, for your guidance that you constantly give us and that you consistently give us. And Lord, I pray just for anybody who's dealing with any sort of shame. I pray, God, that they can uh, get past that, Lord, and that they can actually come to you and ask for help. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help them work through that, that you would uh, cover them with your love and your grace and your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.